And a very warm welcome back to Solidarity Breakfast. A left response to the major developments in capitalism. What they trade in is not wheat. They trade in famine. A little dose of revolutionary optimism. I think it's really important to sort of express solidarity globally. It really is a deal by corporations for corporations. The union forever defending our rights. You better listen, my brother, because if you do, you can hear their voices still calling from across the years. Dear friends, welcome to the Labor Radio Podcast Network series, highlighting the work of our members. The growing network of over 80 shows in five countries serves as a one-stop shop for audiences looking for labor content and as a resource for labor broadcasters, podcasters, and content producers. My name is Evan Papp, and I produce Empathy Media Lab's podcast on labor, political economy, arts, and culture, and we're a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Today, I'm speaking with Jordi Abella, host of Solidarity Breakfast out of Melbourne, Australia, which is an industrial news and discussion show that talks about the rank-and-file worker and, and trade union movement. Jordi, so good to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm all right. It is 10 a.m. in Australia, so it's a little bit better than when we would normally meet, which is like 5 a.m. On, <laughs> on my time for everybody else. So, yeah, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Excellent. Excellent. Well, could you talk a little bit about yourself, uh, where you grew up in Australia, and uh, what got you interested in organized labor? So, I, even though I live in Melbourne nowadays, uh, I grew up in Canberra of Australia, which is the it's the capital a lot of people think it's sydney no nope, it's canberra and it's fairly well off place we we definitely have it a little bit better than other parts of australia in some respects um and i would say that broadly it's a very center left place if you you look at pictures of it it's a very planned city and that was mostly the design of it in some respects um how i got into organized labor and unionism was somewhat organic. I, I really very strongly feel that the bulk of my political views come from humanity and equality. And in caring for other people, we, we look out for other people and that should extend to the workplace. In Australia, we've had a strong union history for about 30 years between the 60s and the 90s. But I grew up kind of seeing a lot of it stripped away. Um, I went through public schools and I saw teachers go on strike. And I felt that what they were doing was really important and necessary. And I still believe that to be the case, very much so. Um, nowadays, trade unionism for me is an absolute necessity because without it, you have absolutely no defense against your boss. Um, and it's even worse if you're in somewhere like America where a judiciary and judiciaries are so much more complex and um, money intensive. And without you know any kind of legal aid services, the odds are really stacked against you if you don't have a union. Well, thank you for that. I'm curious to learn more about Australian news and labor news. And could you talk a little bit about what the scene is like in Australia with uh, coverage of 
unions and organized labor and why you think they should be covered? To be honest, the media diversity in Australia has been a very, very pernicious topic for quite a while recently. Um, a lot of media in Australia is quite commercialized and there was a state broadcaster which was really well established, but it is a shell of what it once was in terms of the quality standards that it is to bring. Um, in addition to that, the American ethos has sort of seeped through a lot of economic discussion and culture, especially through the early 2000s where we had one prime minister called John Howard and he was explicitly anti-union and defunded a lot of the coverage from state broadcasters around union content. Unions were outright demonized and suddenly you could see the landscape shifting. Even between about 2007 to 2010, so when I would have been, you know, early teenagers, you could see it. You could see it in the way that things were being talked about and discussed around what it meant for people to go on strike. And every year there was always some reform coming forward through the government's purview that did strip back labor laws to condense a really, you know, long argument. Um, and so this on top of what is a declining state broadcaster and a growing share going to a media duopoly in Australia, or at least with a few select hands, um, it's becoming very corporatist. And 3CR to me was kind of a beacon of light. I couldn't do commercial radio at all. I feel like I would just be draining my soul. I've done commercial radio and the back announcing is so basal. It is, there's nothing to it. It is boring. It, it doesn't, I feel like I'm losing my integrity by doing that. Um, for me, 3CR was like a little beacon of light. I knew I was going to move to Melbourne for about three or four years. And there's a lot of reasons behind that. But when you start looking at new places, you start looking, okay, what radio stations are nearby? And then suddenly I find this station that is the first community radio station to be established in Australia. It's very openly political. It is not afraid. And if you take any bit of time to go to 3cr.org.au and just skim through the website, we are so open about our politics because we see a role in actually criticizing the government. And that is where the state broadcasters and the commercial broadcasters are really letting us down. It's not even just a case of unions and organized labor. They are just one piece that has been targeted and stripped away by so much of commercial media in Australia. You can look at the indigenous rights movement. You can look at anything to do with queer politics. Um, all of that and so much more is construed and protected by community radio stations. And so, Yes, unions and organized labor and all of that coverage, that's really important. And it's really important to me. Um, but it's just one of the things that I see is under attack. There, we try our best to give that free and fair voice, especially to those who are, especially to those who don't have a strong voice in the first place. That's why it's important. So it's it's so interesting because you mentioned that 
some of the conservative and commercialization of the the news cycle came from the U.S. But there there is this global recycling of the neoliberalism. You know, it it's Sir Rupert Murdoch, I think, hailed yeah. and began in Australia, went through the U.K. and then yes. developed the Fox News. You know, from everything that he helped uh, kind of polish in the U.K. Margaret Thatcher and uh, Reagan, you know, we've been kind of living in this neoliberal uh, hellhole, hellscape, um, and we're starting to come out of it. And uh, the question is where we're going from here. And it's so great to be in solidarity with you in Australia. And uh, I would like to learn a little bit more about your show, um, how it was started, how it was established, because there's always other people that are interested in starting their own shows. And uh, talk a little bit more about uh, the content and uh, the people you get on it. Yep. So when I approached 3CR, it was actually in lockdown. And before that, I'd done four years working with a small narrowcast station, which is called UCFM. And that was uh, in Canberra, and it was just a college radio station but it was mostly just a playground. We actually set up most of the really deep and valuable broadcasting after hours. Uh, through the daytime, it was just a rotation of music and you'd almost have nobody on. But I did that for four years and I was doing lots of different aspects of it. When I started, I just had the passion for presenting, but then I was suddenly building transmitters. I was setting up web servers. I was being an acting general manager on days where people couldn't come in. I was training volunteers. So when I approached 3CR, I put my hand up and I said, hi, I'm skilled. I'm young. I'll happily volunteer my labor. You guys are awesome. Just show me where I can do the most good. And that ended up being Solidarity Breakfast, which was a show that I had an immense respect and honor for because that in tandem with another show called Stick Together is single-handedly the source of union news in Australia, both in a monopolistic sense and in a sense of it having prestige um, because this community radio station has been around since the 70s and solidarity breakfast i believe came about as a reform of a saturday breakfast program it was more of a focus deliberately to cover union content which had always been on the station but more of a voice needed to be heard that was the committee's decision on that front so I didn't necessarily start the show. I just put my hand up and I got plonked in with it. But it is a great honor because it's about, it's about a discussion of unionist content. And that first and foremost doesn't get a lot of coverage in Australia at all, let alone unionist content from our neighbors in Asia, Asia sorry, in the Asia Pacific region of which content is so mired. I think most people in Australia do see Indonesia, Pacific Islands, New Zealand to some extent, um, Malaysia and Singapore as countries that are irrelevant, when in reality, they actually have really strong unionist and socialist roots, and we can draw on that. And part of the reason that we've been so isolated from them is because of those connections and those roots. Um, but anyway, the show itself, is a breakfast program primarily with a lens on industrial industrial news and industrial affairs so when i'm producing it i think okay on the one hand this is a current affairs breakfast program but on the other hand this is union stuff 
And sometimes it's just union stuff. So we recently did coverage of a 50 year memorial of the Westgate Bridge incident, which is a very large bridge in Melbourne. It collapsed and killed quite a few workers on site. And it was known for having some very dodgy practices. So there was an event that was held that's totally in the industrial sphere. But we also look at current affairs stuff. So when I was covering the GameStop saga, I tried to bring in some unionist discussion around what that actually means and the implications of it. Um, because this was something that was happening in the American market space. And the American market has some different functions to the Australian market, but our stock exchanges are very similar in terms of design. And the Australian stock exchange, a lot of people don't actually understand how it works because they just see Wall Street. And they think, okay, that's the standard. Surely this is us as well, or this applies to us as well. So the show is broad, but it's, it's a good way to wrap up your weekend. And as Annie, my co-host says, we just want to give some politics with your Wheaties. And sometimes that's all you need in the morning. You know, if, if you wake up first thing in the morning and you hear about strike action that happened two, three kilometers from your place, you know, stone's throw to some extent, that's big. That's big. Now, why didn't that come up in any kind of mainstream coverage? It's really empowering. Which is brings us to the next question, the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Uh, how did you hear about it? And uh, why do you think this network is important? So I just got forwarded an email from my current affairs coordinator, Gab. Um, and uh, my co-host, Annie, uh, she is really, really good in terms of networking and connections, um, but is it does struggle in terms of the use of technology, and that's mostly because she's limited with what she has at her house. Um, for me, I thought, well, look, if she can't do it, I'll happily be the figurehead. That's more than fine. And then I did receive a follow-up email from Gab essentially saying, look, you're probably going to be representing the station at this point. Are you going to be okay with that? And I said, oh, yeah. That's, that's actually really exciting. And I see value in it as an Australian because on the one hand, it gives content to America about what Australia is doing right and wrong differently, because we are fairly close in terms of how we operate. And as Australia moves more towards a heavier capitalist bent and away from a mixed market economy, yeah, we're going to have a lot more in common. Um, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? Where's opportunities that we can actually work with each other in solidarity as well? Um, what movements do we need to keep an eye out on if there are developing stories coming? Um, I see all of the content that America produces as an important reminder of what we should be defending. And the US broadly has sunk its labor laws so pro-employer that it really has created such a heavy stigma around trade unionism and being members of unions, although very necessary. And there's plenty of people in unions out there. Um, we're slowly reaching that point. We really, really are. And we're not that far off. So by sharing content 
across these boundaries, we can actually not just, you know, get ideas for each show on a week to week basis, but really start to pitch and compare and make those really careful judgments where we're evaluating what, what should we be advocating for? What should we be telling people to do coming out of the end of when we talk about certain action that's being taken in Chicago or about the autonomous land zone that was recently set up a while ago. That was fast. Oh, Portland. It was in Portland, Oregon. Um, what are we actually advocating for people to do here in Australia or vice versa? Um, we've got a state healthcare system that works. We love it. It's in, it is just, it's life-saving, legitimately life-saving. And how can the US see that it's being stripped away? And like, how does, like, what kind of tactics does the government here use to slowly strip that back? Because it has been. Um, yeah, there's a lot to unpack. And by comparing that culture, especially that policy culture, it gives us all space to give stronger platforms of advocacy. Yeah. Yeah, that's for me as well. I'm learning so much from other people, what they're doing, and at the same time, finding so much solidarity because the same issues come up again and again over history, over geography, over different groups and cultures and nationalities. And I find strength in this solidarity with everyone, with the people who walked before me, people who are walking with me now and the people who walk after us. And I, I really do appreciate having this network so I can meet people like you amplify the work that you're doing and uh, learn what's going on and, and also learn new tactics and strategies to deploy here, deploy mm. here as well. So in closing, looking into the future of organized labor, where do you see opportunity and hope? The workers strike in India, as I was talking with a good friend last night, if you could imagine yourself being the earth, then this strike that particular strike feels like a burn. It feels like it's on fire. It feels, I look at images of it almost every single day. And the thought keeps crossing my mind. This is the single biggest strike in human history. And it's pushing and rejecting a fascist and nationalist government, or at the very least, at the very least, an authoritarian regime. The Black Lives Matter movement in America has hundreds of thousands of people turning out on a daily basis for months and months and months. And obviously it's had a history long before 2020, long before anything to do with George Floyd or anything even similar to it. I see a lot of hope then very broadly in struggle and people actually being willing to be empathetic with other people. It, it, it comes back to that ideal of humanity and care. And when, when we do start caring about other people and when we do start looking out for other people just because we want them to be as happy as we are, that's, that's something that I'm seeing more and more of in Australia. There's good hope there.
better listen, my brother, 'cause if you do, you can hear there are voices still calling from across the years, and they're crying across the ocean, they're crying across the land, and they will until we all come to understand. None of us are free. None of us are free. Join the game. 